Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. In your bulletins this weekend, there is a note, and uh, we have two sides to your notes this weekend, so it's only going to be a two-hour message. Don't worry about it, right? We'll, uh, you know, you know, you get lunch plans, no problemo. Uh, but uh, if you would pull this out, I want to remind you, for those of you that are newer uh, to Bethany Church, that, uh, by the way, I just want to say, it is great to see those of you here this week, and we're officially moving into uh, what are called the dog days of summer, where everyone is on vacation but you today who are here, right? But I'm thankful that you are here. I know next weekend is going to be July 2nd. That should be interesting, but we're thankful for those of you that are watching online as well. We're in a series uh, that we're, we're calling Lessons Along the Way. Here's why we're calling it that. Because before we were ever referred to as Christians, before we were ever referred to as a follower of Jesus, we were referred to as people of the way. Everyone say the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one's going to come to the Father except through me. So these lessons along the way would have been how Jesus would have discipled uh, his first followers. And so as we're going through uh, this lessons along the way, there's there's a, a mindset that I want us all to have. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, but that is viewing ourselves not as a Christian uh, who, who sits in a seat, but rather a follower of Jesus or a disciple of of Jesus. And I gave you a fancy name for what we call disciples. It's called Talmudine. Everyone say Talmudine. And, oh, everyone say Talmudine. And we are followers of Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. We are following him. Discipleship is the process of becoming more like Jesus. And on the top of your notes here, uh, this is what disciples do. Disciples spend time with Jesus to become more like Jesus so they can do what Jesus did. And so that's our goal. We want to spend time with him so that we can become like him so that we can do the stuff. Doesn't that sound like fun? And so during the process of this, what we've been doing is if we're going to be going on a journey... If we're going on a hike, if we're following Jesus, we need to make sure that we've got a trail guide, that we're spending time with the one who gives us, you know, as Bible says, basic instructions before leaving earth, right? That we're familiar with the directions. And so God has given us a source for directions called Bible, B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me, right? And so the Bible is going to be what we are going to be known as. We're going to be known as people of the book or of the word. And with that being said, we want to commit ourselves to the spiritual discipline of spending time daily in God's word. So many of us have done that. We're doing that. We're getting it texted to us or push notification to us. And that is going to be the decision that we're going to make to read God's word daily. And then last week, we took a look at another discipline or spiritual habit or rhythm, and that is going to be doing life journaling. Now, journaling is one of those things that we do. I had a guy come up to me and say, Brent, I ain't going to have no diary, right? You know, that's for girls, right? I'm like, well, all right. It's not a diary, dudes, all right? It's a journal, okay? So don't worry about it. I'm going to have you check your man card on me, okay? So you got your, your, your spiritual journal, and the idea there is we're taking God's Word, and we're using it just not for information, but for transformation. Everyone say transformation. 
That's the idea that there's going to be a renewing of our mind, a transformed heart and a mind in Christ Jesus. And so the idea on a life journal is, is that we're not only going to read scripture, but we're going to allow it to read us. And we're going to write it down. There's going to be a, a, there's a little acronym there that I shared last week. SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And that is going to be in these. We made these available for a, a little donation. We basically sold out. There's a couple left, I think. Um, but if you'd like to get one of those, you can. There's a Bible reading plan in there that a lot of us are following through together. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to unpack another discipline today of what it means to be a Talmudine of Christ. And it's prayer. It's the P in the word SOAP. Now, now, prayer is one of the ones that gets us sometimes, uh, we, we, get, we stumble up with prayer. And it's just, it, it, you ask a person to pray in public and they, they kind of clam up, okay? Um, what I wanted to do is I wanted to demystify a very mystical thing, and that is having a conversation with the creator of the heavens and the earth. Prayer is a conversation with God. Now, I want to give you some good news. The good news is, is that maybe, just maybe in your prayers, you don't know what to say, but it's good to know that God is always talking to us. It's a two-way conversation. And so what I wanted to do is I just wanted to, I wanted to give you an idea and maybe an acronym of how you can pray. And once again, you do whatever you want to do. It's just having conversation where you're listening to God and you're talking to God. Uh, there's some people that they like to do the ask acronym, which is ask, seek, and knock. Some people, they like to do, like my friend Carol, she was telling me about the push acronym, which is, you know, pray until something happens. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to share something that I've been doing for the last 20 years in my prayers. And it's another acronym, and it's the acronym ACTS. ACTS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So if you have your notes, I want you to write this down. The A is the word adoration. Everyone say adoration. Adoration, that's a big, okay. Adoration is a big fancy word for telling God, thank you for who you are. It's acknowledging that God is God and we are not. It's acknowledging that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And when I'm having my time with the Lord, I'm, I'm spending time, sometimes it's in the hot tub in the mornings. And I'm just looking up uh, at the stars and the skies and I'm just acknowledging God, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are worthy of my praise. And I've discovered that in a prayer with conversation with God, it's just great to start with the fact that he is God and I am not. And then C is confession. If you would write down the word confession. Confession is where we acknowledge our sinfulness before a holy God. My friend Sean, who's the pastor at Clovis Hills uh, here in town, uh, he and I were on a podcast during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and he wanted to know how I prayed, and I talked about the ACTS acronym. He's like, oh, Brent, you're so much more spiritual than me. When I pray, I do CATS. Uh, which is, I, I confess my sins first, right? And plus, you know, cats are scary. Uh, so yeah, anyway, but, but w- whatever it is that we would confess, there's a lot of cat lovers in here. I need to be careful with my cat humor, okay? But it will continue, so get used to it, okay? So, so confession is where we confess our sinfulness. We keep short accounts with God and with others. We confess our sins one to another so that we may be saved and we may be healed. And we write out our confession or we speak out our confession. God, I was angry. God, I was impatient. God, whatever. The, the T in Acts then is thanksgiving. We're thanking God for all that he's given us, all that he's shared with us, all that he's done for us. If you've ever been a parent, you feel like you give, give, give and give to your kids and they never say thank you. They want more, more, more. Sometimes in our prayers, they're the same way. We just, we're always asking God for stuff and we're forgetting how much God has given us, that we're blessed. Hasn't he given us so much, everyone? 
We're so blessed in Christ and we're thanking him for that. And then we move to the last part with the big fancy theological words called supplication. Write that down. It's where we, where we remind that we, we're asking God for the supply of the heavenly reward that we have. We supplicate before him. We ask him for something. And I've just discovered that the prayers that I pray when I first acknowledge who God is, I've been reminded of who I am and my need for him that I'm thankful for all that He's done for me, that it's in that posture and in that perspective I can then ask. And my motives are pure. Does that make sense, everyone? So whatever your acronym is, it's not about legalism. Oh, i got to do the Acts prayer now. Pastor Brent said so. No, no, no. It's all about making sure we're praying, that we're having a conversation with God, and this is one of the key ways that we're going to stay in step with our Savior. In God's Word, we're reflecting on God's Word, and then we are praying God's Word. Sound good, everyone? Okay. Sound good, everyone? Yeah. All right. So now what we're going to do is we're going to kind of turn into the, the Beatitudes side of our message today. Um, the Beatitudes are the first nine statements that Jesus makes in the most famous uh, message series that he ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And there are these nine statements that Jesus makes. They all start with the word blessed. Everyone say blessed. Blessed is a word literally translated, which means happy. It's interesting how when you begin to focus in on something uh, that, uh, like a word like happy, you just see it all of the time. If you guys ever bought a car before, and then uh, you didn't realize how many other people have that car until you actually buy that car, and you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's driving a Hyundai. They had no idea until I bought a Hyundai. The same is true with happiness. When you think about happiness, you're going to be gravitated towards happiness. Um, even in songs, it doesn't matter what generation you are, how old you are, there is a song that has happiness in it, I guarantee you. I went back into the uh, 60s. Remember the, the band, The Turtles? Remember them? So happy, what? Yeah, to, to get, I'm not going to sing. My wife's like, you're singing all the time, Brent. Get off the thing. All right. Okay, so you have the turtles, which are happy together. I grew up watching um, Happy Days and the Partridge Family. Okay, and the Partridge Family, uh, they had a song called Come On Get. Yeah, you guys remember that, right? Okay, and then but I'm a child of the 80s and 90s, and there was a song, a guy by the name of Bobby McFerrin, and the song was Don't Worry, Be... And then 10 years ago, there was this new artist kind of, kind of came out of the middle of nowhere named uh, Pharrell Williams, and it was the song of the year, and it was called what? Happy. Okay, so happiness is in our culture. Happiness, as our culture understands it, though, is very different than how God understands happiness. For us, happiness has to do with a happening, whereas for our, our God and in the Word, happiness has to do with a, um, a, a, a mindset of faith. Uh, happiness is who we are in Christ. And so when we begin to look at these statements, they're going to be countercultural to how we see and, re- and receive and experience happiness. And so the first of the Beatitudes, Jesus says something kind of crazy. He says this, blessed or happy are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew chapter five, verse three. And you might be thinking to yourself, how is it possible that I'm going to be blessed or happy if I'm poor? Right. And so I want to remind you that Jesus is not talking about an ATM machine here. He's not talking about your financial position here. It's not about a financial position. He's talking about a moral condition. And he's saying is the sooner that we realize that we are morally bankrupt, uh, the happier we're going to be. 
Because what's going to happen is when we see ourselves that way, we make a choice. And the choice is this, is that we depend on God, not on Ourself. That was the big idea of week one. That we, we see our, our, our condition where we've been marred by sin. And the sooner that we realize that and that, uh, that the sooner we're going to be happy. Why is that? Because it's going to help us navigate life when life hurts. That was last week. The idea last week is blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. You're thinking to yourself, how is it possible for us to mourn and be happy? That is verse four. Is because what God says is that I am close to the broken hearted. Think about that. That means that whatever you're going through right now, it means that God is going to be close to you. As I kind of talked about last week, God cares, God awares, and he, God is aware and he, he cares and he is able to do abundantly more than we could ever hope or imagine. Which leads us to the beatitude this week. And it is the beatitude called meekness or blessed are the meek. Let me go ahead and read it for you right now uh, in verse 5. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Now let's all read it together. Ready church? Here we go. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Now meekness is not a cultural value for us, right? Like we, we don't send young executives to meekness sensitivity training, okay? You go to the military, you're not looking to become a meek warrior. You don't, you don't hire, you know, you don't, you don't elect politicians for their meekness, right? Um, and why is that? It's because for us, meekness in our culture, um, it, 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 it comes across like you're, like you're wimpy or, or you don't have a backbone. But yet, when we look at the culture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He says these things that don't sound culturally strong. Like the first week, blessed are the humble. Last week, blessed are the hurting. And this week, He's going to say, blessed are those of you who are meek. And so, what I want to do is, is I want to, I want to make a, an observation, a big idea, and I want to explain to you this box. Uh, real quick, I, which I stole, by the way, from the from the green room. All right, <clears throat> here's the observation. It's going to pop up magically on the screen. It's on your notes if you're watching online. Here it is. You can literally fall asleep after I share this with you. And you can say, I learned so much. And here it is right here. That there is a connection between how we handle our hurt and our ability to embrace the virtue of meekness. I'm going to say that one more time. There is a connection between how we handle our hurt and our ability to embrace the virtue of meekness. What do I mean by that? I mean this. I mean that we all have a box in our life. This is, this is the random box. You can hit this right here and it, it opens and closes. That's all this box does, right? You hit it and it opens and closes. Okay. So what I want you to know, that's all it does. Its whole purpose in life is to have a switch, open and closes. Okay. That's all it does. Nothing less, nothing more. This is your life. Every one of us has a box. Our box is represented by our life, our life in a box. Things happen to us and we place those things in this box. You guys tracking with me? I'm not an illusionist. This is, this is not going to get any better. This is the best I got right here. All right. All right. So, so when life happens, we put that stuff in a box. When stuff happens to us, hurt, pain, whatever it is, we put it in our box. Here's worse. When we screw up, when we mess up, when we miss the mark, it's in the box. And here's what's scary. What's scary is, is a lot of us have a real messed up box of a life. 
How many of you would say that's true about the person you're sitting next to? Let me see that hand right now. All right, okay. Which is good news. The good news is, is because we're in a place that acknowledges that we can come to church where it's okay not to be okay. Amen. Where we can come as we are and we can leave changed. That we view church not as a place for holy people to go to a hotel, but rather hurting people for a spiritual hospital. That's a good time for someone to say amen. amen. See, guys, we are here as a collection of the, the brokenhearted. And we all have a box. But what we choose to do and how we choose to handle the hurt in our life is going to determine whether or not we're going to be able to embrace this spiritual principle of meekness. You see, the problem is we live in a culture right now that says you got to fake it till you make it. You got to pretend that it's better than it really is. And, and what we do is we, we don't want to deal with the mess of what's ever in our box. And so we pretend that, that, that it's, it, it's okay. And we do this optics management thing. And the temptation is, is that we say to ourselves, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna deal with it. And when we don't properly deal with the hurt in our life in the box, how we deal with it is we, we, we look to other things besides the God who wants to care and to control our life. Sometimes we look to things like retail therapy. And we overspend. Sometimes we look to food and we overeat. Or we overdrink. We look to relationships where we look to the relationships of human beings to meet the need of the God-side void in our life. And we can become codependent on unhealthy relationships. Sometimes we look to the area of sexuality. And images, and we allow those to, to, to permeate our brains and our hearts. And we start acting out on those in inappropriate ways. We start looking at images and doing things and even involved in things that are not healthy. They're hurtful. They're, God's, they're, they're not God's best. Let me push it a little bit further. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can take even really good things and we can obsess on them and go too far with those things. Like health and wellness and fitness and diet and exercise. And being orderly and organized. And we become obsessive, compulsive. And those things that are meant for good, we just kind of blow out. And we make them incredibly hurtful. Am I preaching yet? Yes or no? And so when we don't properly deal with those things, an unhealed hurt will lead ultimately to a bad habit. But I got good news. The good news is, is last week Jesus says, Blessed are those of you who mourn, those of you who are hurting, because you will experience comfort. And the big idea for today is, is that how we understand the hurt in our life will determine whether or not we're going to be able to embrace this virtue of meekness in our life. But for us to do that, what I need to do is, is I just need to let you guys know um, that, that it's more than just hearing me say that. But it's going to have to be, there's going to be a point in here where every one of us is going to have to be willing to take a step of faith on taking God at His Word. Let me remind you something. For you to hear something is helpful, but for you to act on it is what it means to be a disciple. I'm going to say something a little controversial, but it's completely biblically true. The enemy, the devil, Satan, knows the Bible. Remember when Jesus was tempted? What did he tempt Jesus with? What? The Word of God. He perverted it, though. But I need you to know that there's something in our life where we need to not only know the Word of God, but we need to know how to apply the Word of God. And the application of this is what is going to be key. So for us to understand the, the virtue 
of meekness. We need to understand what it's not and what it is. So if you're taking notes on your notes, write this down. Meekness does not mean weakness. Please write that down. Meekness does not mean weakness. And by that, a lot of times we think meek and we think mousy. Uh, meek, we think um, wimpy or spineless or cowardly um, or no character, no resolve. But the, the, the truth is it's completely opposite of that. If I could give you a definition for meekness, it would be this. That it is strength under control. That meekness is strength under control. And for me, the analogy of this is like horsepower. Horsepower in a car. I love cars. Anyone else in here love cars? We love cars, right? We love, and what, like, what's one of the first things that we say with cars? It's like, how many, well, how many horsepower do you got there, right? You know, and I love watching Fast and the Furious. Anything where the engine is so big, it's got to literally come out of the hood is awesome. You've seen that, right? See those cars coming around and you can hear them coming a mile away. And they, and they like, they get to the intersection and they just, they, they take off. They got a thousand horsepower. They get, they just get on it. And what happens? They get on it and it has absolutely no traction and it just burns the tires, which is kind of cool, by the way. All right. But it doesn't go anywhere. So you got all of this horsepower in this muscle car, right? And you, and you gun it and you just spend like hundreds of dollars worth of rubber because it is, it's power. But it's not under what? Control. It's not been harnessed. But let's take a horse, for example. You take a horse. Uh, has a lot of strength. That's why we call them horsepower, by the way, right? And, and you break that horse, uh, good things can come. Like, I, I think about like a, a horse that you bridle, and you can, uh, you can put a cart on that horse or a plow on that horse, and it can start to do good. You can, you can till a field. I, I think about a stallion, and you break that horse, and it can... Do great things. It can run a race. It, it can finish the race. I think about us as Talmudin of Jesus. And I think about how the Lord wants us to be meek. And how he wants us to be power under control. So what does that actually look like? Well, what it looks like is very different than how the world views it. I wrote a couple things down here. See, the world says we got to get even. But Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies. Uh, the world says you got to be number one. But Jesus says the first shall be last. The world says you got to believe in yourself. But Jesus says you need to believe in me. The world says winning is everything. Jesus says you need to first lose your life. The world says you need to stand up for your rights. But Jesus says you got to lay down your life. See, the, the choice is ours. We're, we, we're going to either lean into the value system of the world or we're going to obey the value system of the Word. It's either going to be the world or it's going to be the Word. And unless we're careful, we're going to we're gonna fall into the patterns of the world. Do you guys know that there's a pattern of the world? We're being bombarded all the time, by the way. You don't even realize it's on the radio, TV. It's, it, it, it's in print media. It's there for the taking by osmosis, which is why we have to become so much more intentional about making sure that we're focusing in on the pattern of the word. Why? Well, because in our culture, it says that if you're meek, you're a loser. You're lame. You're going to go nowhere. 
But in the Bible, we have examples of meek leadership all over the place. Let me give you a surprising one. A guy by the name of Moses. Everyone say Moses. Moses was the man. Moses was a man that God led through. Uh, one of the greatest leaders of all time liberated a nation uh, out of captivity, miraculously, spiritually. Uh, he was a leader of the nation. He was a priest. He also was a prophet, as in he was like a receiver of the Ten Commandments. So in our culture, I know like Moses' culture, thousands of years for Christ, but in our culture today, we would say that Moses was an influencer. He had a platform. He had influence. And, and everybody knew who Moses was. And in and, and, and our culture, uh, Moses would have had a lot of endorsement deals. He would have had corporate sponsors. Uh, he would have gone on a tour. But the tour that he went on was for like 40 years. Right? And, and he did amazing things. But what you might not have known about Moses is what Scripture says right here in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, New King, New King James Version. Now the man Moses was what, everyone? Very meek. So just in case you're wondering to like, kind of, is that really what the Bible said about Moses? Not only was he meek, but what, everyone? He was very meek, more than any other men on the face of the earth. See, what we're seeing in the person of Moses is we're seeing a powerful, strong leader, prophet, priest, liberator, part of miracle working things that God was doing, yet he was known as meek. Remember, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength. What church? Under control. I think about another leader, leader by the name of David, King David. And David was one of the guys who not only was he a king and a leader of a nation, but he also was a worship leader. Did you know that? He was an author, as a poet. And if you've ever read in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, David wrote a lot of those. And, and one of the ones, if you would write this down in your notes, this is free. It's not even a slide. Okay, write down Psalm chapter 37. Write down Psalm chapter 37. Because what I discovered preparing for this message is, is there's, this, there's a very palpable parallel between Psalm 37 that King David wrote and this beatitude that Jesus taught. You see, uh, in the time of Christ, remember, Talmudine would have known the Old Testament. They would have known the Psalms. And so for Jesus to say, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, Matthew 5, 5, a Jewish audience would have been like, oh, that's happy. That's the turtles. Oh, that's the mamas and the papas. Oh, that's Pharrell Williams. Oh, that's Bobby McFarlane. They would have, they would have known what Jesus was saying. And Jesus wasn't plagiarizing David. He was quoting David. And if you look at Psalm 37, it talks about multiple times Inherits the earth, inherits the earth, inherits the earth, like all down the whole chapter. But one time in verse 11, it says the meek shall what everyone inherit the earth. And so Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, shares this with his disciples. And this is the third beatitude. 
we see that David not only not always acted like a meek leader, because we know that he didn't, but Jesus knew his writings, knew his songs. They're on Spotify, right? He knew those songs. And then what he did is he is he used it as a kingdom teaching principle for his disciples to live differently. Making sense? Last one, last example, if you would write down, write down the example of Jesus. Write that down, please. Write down Jesus. So we, we got we got Moses, we got King David. And we have Jesus. See, Jesus was familiar with hurting. He was familiar with pain. He was familiar with being betrayed. So anything right now, friends, that you have in your box that someone has done to you, the Bible says that was done to him. We serve a Savior who experienced the pains and the hurts of life. Agree? Agree? We don't, and the scripture says he, he was not unfamiliar. He was familiar with it personally, but he did not sin. And the night that he was betrayed, we have this picture, this snapshot of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, having this prayerful conversation with God the Father. Matthew 26, 29, right here on the screen, I think. Is Matthew 26, I think, if you would. Is there a slide up there? Here we go. Jesus says this, my Father. So Jesus and the Father were one. Remember, we have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So my Father, if it's possible... May this cup be taken from me. Now, the cup Jesus is talking about here is the cup of suffering. Jesus knew in a couple of hours he was going to die a painful death on a Roman cross. That he'd be tortured. So, Jesus, in this prayer, having a conversation with God, says, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. But listen to what he says. But yet not my will, but what everyone? Your will. So what you have is, is you have our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was a meek man, the most powerful man to ever live the earth, live on the earth, most notable, best teacher, most influential person ever was under control of the father. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is what? Strength under control. Remember, Jesus was not just God's son. He was also fully human. So the human side of Jesus did not want to die on a criminal's cross. He did not want to be beaten. He did not want to be spit on. He did not want to, he didn't want to have to go down that road of suffering, drinking that cup of suffering. But it wasn't his will. You know why? Because he was under the care and under the control of his loving heavenly father. You see, I want... I, I guys, what, I, what I'm trying to say is, is, is when, we, when we see this in his life, we sometimes don't realize all that he did for us. Because Jesus was a meek Savior, because of how he endured the pain and the suffering, because of that, friends, we're blessed. Because of what Christ accomplished on the cross, we're blessed. I want you to say it in the first person. I'm blessed. Let's say it. I'm blessed. Oh, I think only half of you think you're blessed, right? One more time. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you're blessed. You're, blessed. Uh, you're a little more excited about your own blessing than theirs. That's okay. You want to know who the most blessed people are today? When you go to lunch and you pray for lunch, you're going to pray 
And Lord, would you just bless the hands that prepared our food, right? You know what I mean? You don't even know these people and you're praying for their hands, right? You know, so if you've ever been in the food industry, you're blessed. Okay, so what we have is, is we have the blessing in Christ. We're blessed. You're blessed. The person to your right and your left is what everyone we are blessed. And so when Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, we see that Jesus is saying that there is a blessing that comes because of who we are in Christ. The position that we have that we've not earned or deserved, but has been freely given to us. So if you ever wondered like, hey, how can I understand scripture better, deeper without going to seminary? There's a wonderful tool for you. It's called the Amplified Bible. And in the Amplified Bible, what it does is it takes certain words and it expands them. It amplifies them. One of my favorite passages that talks about who we are in Christ and the blessing that we have in Christ comes from John. John chapter 1 is going to pop up on the screen here. I just want to remind you, John, you know, kind of, not verse 3, it should say 16 up up there on the left. So sorry about that. That's user error. Okay. John chapter 1, as you might recall, starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, you know, became flesh, made His dwelling among us, da-da-da-da-da, right? They didn't see Him, they didn't understand Him, because they're in the darkness, but the light has shined through. You guys remember that part? Gets to verse 16, amplified version, for out of His fullness, and by the word fullness, it means abundance, means more than we need, we have all received, and by the word received, it means that we are possessors of, has been credited to us in our account. If you ever gotten like a, a Venmo transaction, right? It's like, hey, you got paid. You're like, sweet, right? It's been given to you. We've received it. And the, and the Amplified says, all had a share and were all supplied with, I love this, one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. You guys catch this? What Scripture is saying is, is because of who we are in Christ, based on who He is, who He was, and what He did, we, my friends, are blessed. We have been blessed. We are blessed. Remember growing up in Sunday school class, one of my first memories, and we would sing this song, count your blessings, name them. I'm saying it is impossible to do that. Because we are so blessed. We're just so blessed. God has given us such a blessing in life. The freedom and the forgiveness of, of, of faith in Christ and in Christ alone. That, that, our, that our past has been forgiven. Our, our, our future has been made secure. Not based on anything we've done, but what He did on the cross. Because He was a merciful, loving, and gracious Father. Because of that, in Him, blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace, favor upon favor. Why? Because we're blessed. We are blessed. And so, what's my point? And as I prepare to close, the band's going to make their way up here. Write this down. This is it. This is how we're going to do it. Here is the choice that you have to make, is that we have to commit to the care and to the control of Christ. We have to commit to the care and to the control of Christ. We have to take a look at our box that we put stuff in. That's all that we do to ourselves, that other people do to us, and how we handle this box is going to be determined whether or not we believe that God really is trustworthy, that He really does care about us, 
and if we're willing to be controlled by His will. Remember Jesus, hurt. Lord, if it be Your will, would You please allow this box to pass through me, but not my will, but Yours be done. With the things that people have said to us, done to us, haven't said to us, haven't done for us. What we choose to do with that is going to be a game changer of how we view ourselves in Christ Jesus. Here's the big idea that I shared with you before, that there is a connection between how we handle the hurt and, and, and our ability to embrace the virtues of meekness in our life. There, there is a connection between those. And if we're serious about wanting to understand how God has created us, what He wants to do with us and through us, if we're serious about wanting to be disciples, Talmudine, following after our Savior, Jesus Christ, then it really comes down to how we view the blessing of God. Friends, we are blessed. Amen. Christ has blessed us. One last verse, if you stand to your feet as we sing this last song, is this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Writing to the church in Ephesus, he says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed. Everyone say, has blessed. That's past tense. He's taking care of it. That means for those of you that are trying to decide whether or not you're going to start following Jesus, if you're going to trust Him for who He is, I want you to know He has blessed you in the heavenly realms. There's a spiritual thing that's happening up there. We can't see. Right? Our, our, our eyes, we, you know, it, it's, it's a temporary thing down on here, but there's an eternal thing that's happening in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There's an abundance. There's an overflow. We are blessed. We are strong in the Lord. When we feel weak, we can look to Him and He will be our strength. Would you join me in prayer, church? Let's pray. So Lord God, as we more and more become men and women of the way, as we follow closer and closer with you as our disciple, I pray that you would, that you would stir our affections for you, our hunger for your word, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't fall for the patterns of this world, that God, that you would more and more allow us to become transformed by your word and the renewing of our mind, God, and that we would become men and women that, that, that have regular conversations with you, that we're listening to you and that, that the primary way, God, that you speak to us is through your word. So we become more and more attuned and focused to what you're doing. What you're saying is, is God, that it's okay to not be okay. But how we choose to handle it, God, is so important. Maybe there's somebody here watching online, maybe even here today, that's been handling the hurt the wrong way. Lord God, I pray today would be a day of salvation, a day of rededication where they begin to look to you as the Savior of their life, the one that, that they would worship in spirit and in truth and in all things. So God, our desire isn't to be perfect. God, you took care of that. But God, would we walk closer and closer in step with you, the perfecter of our faith. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray these things. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and worship together, everyone. For listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.